everybody, welcome to Sweden Morgan Life Live. Today we're going to be asking, why don't people believe in the life after death? Hmm. Uh, my name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host. This is Dr. Jonathan Rose, co-host, and uh, couldn't be happier to uh, be exploring a crazy question like that. That's great. Some people would say a self-evident question like that, right. but we're here to push back against that a little bit. Uh, like and subscribe. It's early to say that, but if you subscribe, you'll get all kinds of content from us and liking helps this get out into the conversation and right. you know if you don't like it by the end you can unlike uh we're following up here as we do every week we're giving sort of an echo conversation digging further into a topic and last week we were doing five reunions in the afterlife where we explored swedenborg's accounts of what it's going to be like for everyone here when we not only realize hey i'm still going after death but you're still going and That's you right. And you, the people that I thought were gone, are here. And, and how right. cool that can be and mm. the potential to go even farther in relationship and happiness than we ever were here. Right, so we, we want to go in farther because Swedenborg, just getting people to entertain the possibility that there is life after death, this was one of Swedenborg's main missions. Yeah, and right. We're gonna and we're going to look at how did he address disbelief in an afterlife in general. Also, we're going to give you like a bonus theme uh, when we're going to look at when a good, deeper purpose or feeling gets freed from the obstacles holding it back hmm. and gets to live out its sort of essence, right? So the two things are very much worth exploring, but let's not do them unless we're properly prepared for it. As always, this is a participation section. We're going to answer a question, the icebreaker question, then we're going to have you answer it as well. So let's get into it now. Just type your responses in the YouTube chat. If you're there, we're going to talk about it here on screen, but by the end of the show, we want to have compiled your answers and hear what you have to say about it, because this is information that should be relevant in everybody's minds, and it's, part, it's, it's the continuation of the human experience, so the more humans' perspectives we get on it, the more full a picture we get of that thing. So, you ready for the question? All right, let's it do it. It is as follows. Assuming you do believe in life after death, who are you looking forward to meeting or reuniting with in the afterlife? Because mm. last episode, we looked at all these different kinds of you know, family reunions, friends reunions, ancestors, right. uh, spouses, so on, so acquaintances of all kinds. Um, you know, let's make it personal. You know, do you have somebody that, that you're feeling like, oh, I'd love to see them? Well, <clears throat> there's all kinds of people I'm interested in seeing. You know, yeah. the funny thing is, is just more and more people seem to roll on in the other world, you know, as you, yeah. as you go along. Yeah, people so don't laugh. There's a lot of loved ones on the other side already. Uh, but there's three sort of sets of people. Like, yeah. I, I have to admit, I think it would be fun to meet Swedenborg, some of his cronies, the people that, I read about. That's the elephant in the room. Everyone was like, are these guys going to say Swedenborg? They're like obsessed oh. with Swedenborg. They do a show well, about Swedenborg. You're going to get to the afterlife like, hey, Swedenborg is us. With the, we had the YouTube show. And he's like, <laughs> um, okay. I have to be somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he's, I'm already meeting him. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. And, uh, and people in his time period and other people who've worked on his works, you know. Yes. So I feel okay. it's kind of a kinship so, with some of those. Yeah, people. But you being series editor of Swedenborg's, you were kind of in a line of of people there, and you want to kind it, of see it how feels it's progressed. Like, like I crack these books every day of yeah. these people who wrote in the past, and so it would be so fascinating to sit down with them yeah. and talk about it. Uh, but I also think about my own 
ancestors. I met both of my grandfathers when I was three, but then they died before I had another chance to meet them. So yeah. I don't I don't really know them at all. But I'd be very interested to know, <clears throat> you know, where certain traits came from and stuff like that. But the one that's uppermost in my mind right now is that tomorrow happens to be an anniversary. I have a brother I have never met. Mm. He died when he was one hour old. He's eight years younger than me, but he's been in that other world. So tomorrow is his 54th birthday and death wow. day, like, you know, same day. Yeah. And so uh, I, that, that's going to be really amazing someone who had such a different experience of only being on this planet for a split second right. and then off you go uh like a reunion that, that would be but really you never met him sort of a I know. meeting and a reunion at the same time yeah right and yet it, is he familiar you know yeah. like, like, i don't know that that would just be cool yeah, that's cool um, well i mean i i have a sister who i did meet but but she died when i was six mm. and she was eight i believe um so of course you're gonna. I don't even have that. I don't remember what she's like. So yeah, I want to see right. that, and then like, okay, what 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 time did we miss? I mean, of course, that's like, I would love to see that, and and you get to have like an older sibling. You know, I didn't get to yeah. do that. So yeah, what's it like? Right. What's it feel like? You know, yeah. and, and what is that? How does that change my sense of identity? I know that you know afterlife relationships change in general. You know, there's other kinds of connections, but I do want to know like, okay, how did that affect me? What, what's different about it? And get to see like what. Who are you? You know. Yeah, so, yeah. Everyone, we want to hear that that from you. Who do you want to meet, or who are you looking forward to, and it, or if for whatever reason. And so we'll, we'll get get uh, unpacking that stuff as we get to the end. Okay. Do you feel warmed up? I'm good. I'm you good. You guys warm? Let's take a look now uh, at the next section. There is an afterlife. This has got to be the most emphatic section title <laughs> we've ever had. I mean, you saw an exclamation point in there, which I don't think we've ever had one of those That's right. before. And I'm not sure we've gone to italics before either. So what could cause us to pull out all the grammatical stops? Well, it is a good representation of how adamant Swedenborg was about the existence of the afterlife. And it's the importance to him of communicating the existence of the afterlife to people. Yeah, right. Right. It's actually, Swedenborg considered this a core part of his mission, and as we're going to see here, sort of why he became Swedenborg the mystic. So this is from his book, Last Judgment. To prevent people from losing all belief in an afterlife, the Lord has opened the deeper levels of my spirit. So this, the deeper levels of his spirit opening, that's why he could write all the stuff that we read here. So right. that's why and it so happened. Belief, it sounds like it was in danger. Right. Like, like you might lose in the consciousness of an afterlife yeah. or something. And so, hey, it's time to intervene. This has made it possible for me to talk after their deaths with all the people I have ever known during their physical lives. Now, that's an amazing statement. It's not just like, oh, my five best friends. That's the people yeah. at the food store. You know, that's everybody, right? I don't know if they had food stores back then. They had food markets or something like that. Something with with some of these, I have talked for days. With some for months, with some for a whole year. That's interesting because you think about somebody talking with spirits and you think of like, 
you hear them say a phrase or they come in and tell you a prophecy a and then they leave. Or something. <laughs> but a year, like, okay, so <laughs> now a, what do you want to talk about? That's extensive. <laughs> that's a long time to talk to somebody. Yeah. And Swedenborg yeah. would have, this, what it would have looked like is that he's, he's functioning in the world, but yet having this awareness of the communication and sometimes be able to carry on tasks in both worlds at the same time. Yeah, so, that's right. So it's not like he's, right. he was in a trance for a whole year, but this person was around and somehow communicating. Yeah, and they were having a lot of communication. I have also talked with so many other people that saying there were 100,000 of them would be an understatement. And this is an additional group besides for everyone he's ever met. Because he was... He would, everyone he's ever met plus 100,000. He would regularly address whole groups of people and hear from them. So he was really racking up these afterlife communications. And he knew a lot about history. He knew a lot about the Bible. So he had a lot of people in his mind that he wanted to talk That's to. Right. And, and many of these were in the heavens and many were in the hells. So he mm. was talking, to, gathering information from the whole spectrum for this mission uh, which part of which was to tell people, look, you, like, if, if you didn't know college was coming, you know, you w that wouldn't serve you very well in prepping for it. There's a, there's a sequel to life. It helps you to know. It right. really does help contextualize to me some of the suffering that we go through, sure. the loss and, and so on. Yeah, it's, it's the only plausible variable you could add to life and have it turn out okay. Makes and so be, much sense. Be yeah, an that's ethical right. thing. That's right. And he, Swedenborg reports that he was seeing the, 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 after, the, the side effects of this not believing in an afterlife in the afterlife when people get there. This is again from Last Judgment. Oh, so like people who died, how they reacted to dying and what they thought before yeah. they died and what they thought after they... So he got to see that. And, and he describes it here. Many who have died on seeing that they are still people and are still as alive as they were before and in similar circumstances since for all of us our first state after death is much like the one we had in the world though this changes gradually for us into either heaven or hell are touched with a new joy at being alive and say they had not believed it would be like this yeah wow so yeah whoa i had no I'm idea still going. yeah yeah wow yeah this is astounding they're wow. also absolutely amazed that they had that they had been so ignorant and blind about what happens to us after death mm. and are even more amazed that people in the church have the same ignorance and blindness <laughs> thing even though they have, of all people on the planet have access to light on such matters yeah swedenborg says that there's actually quite a lot of information in the bible about life after death, yeah. um, you know, like that parable of the rich man and Lazarus and things like that. They said, yeah, that's about life after death. And that tells you, you know, how it works. Yeah. And, and so the Bible has information about it. The Christianity, which is what he means by the church, you yes. know, should know something about it. And I think it, his suggestion would be that all kinds of different religions yeah. sort of should know about this. And so people he has seen going in or saying, Hey, you guys had all these church buildings and you talked to us about God and what we're supposed to do in it. You didn't tell us the basics. Nobody knew. Yeah. Like, did nobody know know we were going to survive yeah. death and be the same person immediately, yeah. like in our, be in similar circumstances? Like, this is bizarre. They, uh, right. they then, and, and look at how this takes a little turn here. They then begin for the first time to see the reason for this blindness oh, this and ignorance. Oh, this is core to what we're talking about tonight, isn't it? What is the reason? Yeah. Yeah, can you guess? What, what is the reason for this blindness and ignorance? That outward concerns, 
worldly and bodily preoccupations had so completely taken over and filled their minds that they could not be raised into heaven's light and look beyond the things they had been taught and so see what the church is really all about. And I think he's not just talking about, oh, you know, dental hygiene or preoccupations like that. But I think he's really talking about like an obsession with with wealth or I'm trying to do my career. You know, that's a fine thing to do. But yeah, ego issues of, you know, uh, uh, and and, or or how do I physically look and things like that. Yep. And 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 just uh, cares of the world. Like is is, uh, tomorrow is is this thing going to turn out well for me? Is it not going to turn out well for me? Am I prepared? It's basically that thinking so much about that. Like, am I living in a town I want to be living in? Am I doing, you know, is this the right life? Was I supposed to be, you know, and you're so obsessed with all that. Yeah. That you're not lifting up. And it's interesting that he suggests that, okay, you're going to get taught stuff by the church, but you're not necessarily going to understand it. Yeah. You really need to get into it yourself. So yeah. part of the blame seems to be on the church. Like it is astonishing that the church doesn't know. Yeah. But also individuals should be able to to rise above that, see through it and yeah. see, hey, wait a minute, you know? Well, he says, when bodily and worldly things are loved as much as they are nowadays which so apparently everybody feels like their era was the shallow one. You're right. <laughs> Nothing but utter darkness flows in from them when we try to think about heavenly realities beyond the teachings of faith proclaimed by our church. And going back to the point you were just making, yeah. so mm. Swedenborg's saying, yeah, that there was a, this organization that's supposed to educate you on the most important things in life, and they weren't delivering the goods. They weren't doing but, the job. But if we didn't have our heads so buried in these materialistic concerns, you, it would be sort of inoculate you against bad teaching because no matter what religious authorities told you, you'd be able to step back and discern some for yourself. Yeah, I mean, Swedenborg talks about, doesn't he, that the fact that a lot of people, like when you think about a loved one who's passed on, you think about them looking down on you on your yeah. wedding day or your, you know, whatever, the graduation yeah. and, and stuff like that. And, and, and people aren't thinking, oh, they, they probably don't exist, you know. Like yes. it's something instinctive right. to, to have that belief. But then there's other things that get in the way. And so there you have Swedenborg haranguing the preoccupation with the worldly things. But Swedenborg also gives this interesting perspective on these two major opponents of belief in an afterlife. He says that actually in people's souls, there is a general influx saying right. there is a life after death and you'll keep living. Yeah, that we just have important a, information yeah. for us all to have, right? Yes, that we, so it makes sense that that would be sort of the default setting would yeah. be that you, you know that you or you have that hunch at, at some level. Yes, that, that, so but there are these things that are kind of taking away that sort of common sense mm. belief, and the two things, uh, one of which was what I would call materialist reductionism oh, or, or atheistic materialism. That's interesting because another one would be like. A particularly literalistic way of reading the Bible, and I'm not even saying it's an accurate way of reading it. Yeah. But there's a certain kind of biblical literalism that uh, actually, for some bizarre reason, concludes from reading Scripture that there's no life after death, like there's no consciousness, yeah. or you wake up eventually at the last judgment or something. But you're not gonna, you, you like the near-death experience is just lies from hell or something. You know, they're not. That was not true. That was what was coming after, in Swedenborg's day, that was coming after this belief in a life after death. And the funny thing is, when you look at us here, 2018, on YouTube, 
the comment, we've, I've been shocked being here on YouTube at how little negativity we've gotten. It's true, it is pretty astounding, yeah. You would think YouTube is notorious for, for being like a uh, bad neighborhood. A as troll far fest as, yeah. or something, yeah, right. And we're sitting here talking about this weird so, sort of religious Super stuff, you know. Stuff. And I've been shocked that we haven't gotten more people, uh, you know, trying to go at us for what we're saying. But the ones who do, pretty, you almost always fall into these same exact into these camps. Categories. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we'll, to prove it to you, we'll give you a couple of, of comments. So these are some from both categories. First, from the materialist, uh, reductionism, atheistic. Okay. Come on, there's no proof. Past loved ones can't communicate, but a person dies and then gets revived. And you believe them when they say they went there, meaning, near, okay, everyone's got a near-death experience, but then why doesn't somebody just who's already dead come and talk come to and you? Come and tell you. Yeah, yeah. Please, eyewitnesses are inherently unreliable. That's an interesting one. Yeah, because in the past, eyewitnesses used to be very much trusted, yeah. but now they're not trusted. Right. So it's like, oh, you had, you say you had that experience. Could yeah. be anything. Yeah. Right. It's just like there's nothing that's not that that's that's you can learn about through experience. It's yeah. got to be through right. the senses. Okay, and then next, there is absolutely no proof we carry on spiritually lull man-made tales. So this is just like that a must pure. Be very loud. That's very yeah, loud. Yeah, which is fine. Um, and, Pure, but pure dismissing, dismissing of anything. No proof, man. Can't no see it through a microscope. That's it. Next, we got we got to have more of those. Okay. There is no proof, again, that people who have died communicate in any way with anyone still alive on Earth. So, and I can't, yeah. we can't say... Uh, you, yeah, I mean, that could just be a dream. It could be yeah. a hiccup in your brain or exactly. something like, like there's, there's no proof. But on the yeah. biblical side, you... It's a, they're, okay, they're coming ahead. at us in a very similar way, aren't they? I mean, look at this. People who have died are not in heaven... The Bible says they're sleeping in death, quote-unquote, that they're awaiting the resurrection back to life on earth as human beings. So, like, they, they're not in heaven. Yeah. You know? That's right. So you guys are the Bible wrong. Says. And it's yeah. interesting to me the tone is similar, yeah. even though I don't think this person would get along with those other three that we just heard from. Right. And let's have a look at another. The dead know nothing. No one will be resurrected until the day of judgment. Right. Now, this is a quote from the Bible, and uh, we can talk a little bit more about that, but sure. but, uh, but that's a particular reading, mm -hmm. and yet I would counter that by saying, well, well Jesus didn't say, you know, today you will be unconscious in limbo. He yeah. said, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay. But they, you know, you pick one passage from Ecclesiastes yeah. over what Jesus said or something, but uh, let's have a look at another one. It's very simple and very clear. The Bible tells us that when the body dies, the spirit is asleep. So, yeah. so your spirit. Is, so, you guys are, are saying it all wrong. So, it's very interesting that you have these two. And what's kind of weird about it is that Swedenborg was Mister Microscope. That's right. I mean, he owned his own microscope at a time <laughs> he made his own microscope. When you, you, know, you these at, were not available at a time when people, yeah, yeah, you couldn't get these things, right? Right, right. He had, and he was Mister Bible, like he was, he was all over this. He was all about that. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting. Yeah, but that you know. that you had and that when he as being this guy who was uniquely positioned in both worlds, as you were saying, he was back then science was was much more in its infancy. And so he was at the forefront of almost all the fields of science. Yeah, that's right. He was like he this, really was. this this Renaissance man, but also extremely familiar with the Bible, read it inside and out, knew all this stuff about it. And he was saying these two things are destroying the belief in the afterlife. And this is still the same thing. And that that particular really that quote you mentioned, we did a, a show about it. Um, why does the Bible say the dead know nothing? The dead know nothing. Check there that out is. if yeah. you want to see so a little bit So we did a whole more. show about that, just if you right. want to drill down into that a little more. But 
about what that means. Swedenborg says, oh yeah, the Bible absolutely yeah. says that. But what the dead are and what that means, what the know nothing yeah. means, uh, needs to be interpreted and rightly divided. Yeah, so, so it's fascinating that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, that's really interesting. But uh, we want to go to one more quote. Um, this is uh, Swedenborg talking about what he saw. And imagine Swedenborg's position of like, you know, if, if he's reporting what he really saw, he's like, ah, I can see this all unfolding and, and nobody's listening. And I need to tell you that this is a problem, that this whole, like, uh, you know, every side trying to indoctrinate you against life after death. All these people rolling in yeah. and being sort of astonished. Yeah, right. So this is what he said about it. This is back to Last Judgment. That, that is why almost all the people who arrive from the world are absolutely amazed to discover that they are alive and that they are just as human as ever, no different at all. Once they get past their amazement at that, then they are astounded that the church has no idea that this is what happens to people after death, in spite of the fact that all the people who have ever lived in this world are there in the other life, leading human lives. I've heard that yeah. some theological schools no longer cover the subject of, of life after death. It's just, let's talk about theology, let's yeah. talk about how you treat each other, let's talk about how to read the Bible and stuff yeah. like that. But the, we know nothing about the afterlife. Why would, why would we talk about that? Think about that as a concept, though. Everybody is still there. Like, you think that they're, everybody who's gone mm. from the ages past, they're, they're there somewhere. You can yeah. go visit them. Any time period, any, any person. Any time period. That's fascinating. Yeah. Just to th as a thought experiment. Yeah, yeah. They also wonder why people in this world have not been informed of this by means of visions, right? Why don't you just come and yeah. tell everyone? All it would take, like, would it be so hard? Would yeah. it be so hard? Just, you know, Uncle So-and-so comes back yeah. and you see him and say, oh, you're alive. Okay, great. It, why, instead why of why, why like couple of frumpy guys on YouTube trying to tell you, look, look, we, no, we heard somebody yeah. else say go that there's life after death. Sensory experience you've had yeah. to tell you. That, no, for real. <laughs> <laughs> they are told by, so why not? Why not? Why they not? are told by a heavenly source that this could have been done. Nothing is easier when the Lord so pleases. Yeah, so it's not a technological problem. Sure. <laughs> like the yeah. Lord can do that. We have the funding. But people who have convinced <laughs> themselves of these misconceptions to the contrary would still not believe even if they saw the visions for themselves. Uh, and there's two ways that I could take that. One was I did see um, a, like a, it was like ABC special on near-death experiences. And one of the people who had had a near-death experience was called an atheist minister. And, and she was saying like, okay, yeah, I did have an experience where I think it was my sister or uncle or somebody came and told me some things about my life. And, but I know it was just my brain misfiring or something like that. So that's one. But I think what Swedenborg really means there is that the spiritual world was full of the evidence of the dominance of the will over the understanding. Oh. Or that he would see people, that anybody could be told something and understand it and grasp it, but when they went back to what they loved, they would then cast it aside, deny it, and yeah. almost just like really compartmentalize and that you just do this more when you're a spirit. So even if you gave somebody here, like you have to believe because of this, that doesn't guarantee that you keep believing if your heart's not in it. Right, and the Bible talks about that, that it can be damaging to, to go into something like that, like the house that it talks about that gets swept out, yeah. and then seven devils worse than the first come back and move in. Yeah. You know, like if it's not really cleaned out, if it's not under new management yeah. or something, uh, it's actually more dangerous, and so better not to, not to go there. You, yeah. you know, like it's better just to stay in disbelief than to yeah. convince people Swedenborg has a great riff in his book on divine providence okay. about why that stuff 
doesn't happen and how it only affects the outside of you. It doesn't really get to the inside. Yes. The inside is the part that opts in and hey, chooses to believe. I know? didn't even think of that. Uh, so we don't have the thumbnail ready for it. But we did a show called Why Doesn't God Prove That He Exists? Yes. Right, and that was right. about that very riff, I yeah, think, yeah, in Divine right. Providence. So right. that every, Providence is only allowing things based on their spiritual impact on you and, and what will forward your eternal happiness the most. You might think it'd just be good for anyone to get a vision about afterlife yeah, that would, would help anybody, wouldn't it? Yeah. But he's saying that actually that can no. be very dangerous if you... Actually not. Because the human psychology is so complicated. Uh, okay, that's where we leave it. Human Good. psychology is that so complicated. Great. Are you satisfied? Yeah. We're going to yeah. go now into our sub-theme and take a look a little bit about this, the will. We talked about the importance of the will and look in, in determining what we will believe, no pun right. intended. Uh, but what happens when that will is kept from the object of its... Desire. Thwarted, you mean? Like when it's thwarted. thwarted. That's going to happen now in the spiritual road trip. So to grow spiritually, we've got to recognize, this is sort of the process of regeneration, and release obstacles in our will. Or our will, we're using Swedenborgianese here, the will being what your your motivation what what you yeah, love the drive the passion the yeah right yes your real core values not just what you like to tell people but what do you actually care about yep <laughs> um, so we're we're great people we, we, we just we just we, want we your really happiness are really wonderful <laughs> okay <people>. so <laughs> and, and so the obstacles in our will that block higher love and wisdom but Swedenborg says that when we're living here in the physical world, by the nature of things, there's a certain amount of unavoidable blockage. Yeah. You know, so what, what would be That's some examples right. of, of why, why can't we just have a clear view all the time? Well, like the first thing that comes to mind is just the physical body. Right. Just the fact of the flesh can be sort of a damper, yeah. like it sort of quiets down the signal or something like that it's like mm -hmm. a transformer downward or something if like you that. don't like if you don't have enough sugar if you have some kind of um some kind of neural pathway inhibit like there's all kind there's a lot yeah, of machinery that can go blood wrong chemistry yeah, yeah yeah right there's a lot of stuff in okay there. so we got and then that also uh it, even if the, all that's working fine we can have such sort of external concerns like we were talking about earlier yes. in the show they can be so obsessed with I didn't get that job, or you know, or, or whatever it is, yeah. uh, that you're just preoccupied and it's blocking you. It's not that that good stuff isn't in there, yeah. but you're just not aware of it because this is filling your consciousness every waking hour, you know. Yeah. And a third thing I would say would be like actual uh, interfering thoughts and feelings, like it's similar to what I just said, but it's just stuff that's blocking you, you know, that you, you have a feeling, you yeah. have a thought that's getting in the way that blocks you from becoming aware of deeper stuff. And maybe even a little more nefarious with those last ones, like some intentional blocking. Some outside interference. This is exactly what Swedenborg reports in the story that we're going to delve into today. This is a story of uh, seeing how it is once in the afterlife when obstacles are removed and deeper love can express itself. Oh. So this is hmm. from spiritual experiences, from his journal of spiritual experiences. I became aware that a certain woman loved her husband. Now that's an important premise there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So there he, was a love there. She yes. had a love for her husband. And somehow spiritually you can see, the, you can just know these kinds of things. Yeah, that's right. See them actually tangibly. 
But she was prevented from acting on it by some others who talked to her persuasively and used various methods of curbing her feelings. Yeah, her friends sort of talked him down or something yeah. like that. And, so, like, and we don't know if these are people she knew or these are people like e- evil spirits. Or, or evil spirits yeah. from the spiritual world. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not quite clear. And, the, and when you get into some of these methods, it looks like this is you know, very subtle like spiritual, spiritual forces, stuff. Yeah. They did this by holding her back, subtly instilling different emotions, interfering with communication, and substituting other feelings that were stronger in their influence on her outer self. So sort okay. of manipulating so her spiritual makeup. So instead of love, you might be feeling frustration. And then, and who hasn't experienced uh, uh, communication difficulties in relationships? It's yeah. amazing how the communication yeah. can get corrupted pretty pretty quickly or something yeah. where you think you're communicating well, but it's just not coming across or something. And, and interesting also that there were other feelings that were stronger in the influence. So sometimes we've talked on this show about how something from heaven can be sort of Quiet little yeah. whisper, you know that whisper it talks about in scripture or something, and then you got this really loud feeling of yeah. what a, you know I just have a migraine or you know whatever yeah. it is that's, that's getting in the way. And I think in he he's vague, you know, so you don't know exactly what kind of feelings he's talking about there. That but I I think about narratives, and that you can be in a situation and you have a certain narrative like oh this is the headline of what's happening here. You know, like, this is what matters to me in this situation. This is but there's my, so much my, more. my headline that I understand yes, of what I'm like, going through. I have this with, with my daughter, who's two, and I'll be thinking about anything. Like, okay, I've got to do this thing, or I'm thinking about some work thing or something. And suddenly I'll just realize, like, whoa, she's really cute. And I like to be paying attention to something else is foolish right now. Like right, I should be right. soaking this in. That's but right. I've got this whole There's different example, narrative, right, right. you know, uh, about it. So I wonder if they're just kind of getting her to think her life is about something different than it really is. And here he says, as soon as these impediments were removed, she openly and fervently expressed her love for her husband, kissing and hugging him. Mm. I said that this was similar to how a bowstring or a spring works when it is held back. There is an energy that presses to be let go. So that almost starts to make me think that the this was allowed to happen. I don't know what kind of spirits these were. Sure. I think they were spirits. They're yeah. changing your feelings. It's sort of yeah. spirit kind of territory. It's not st- stuff we do to each other sure. a whole lot. But but the um, but I I get the feeling that it was allowed because I'm not sure that she was aware of the love that she had for her yeah. husband. All these impediments were sort of filling her consciousness. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, I want to show you something cool. But boom, you remove yeah. all that stuff and all of a sudden she's all over him. Like she yeah. loves him. Yeah. And it's interesting that this is very consistent with, as we're hearing about before, that there are blockages in our mind keeping God's love and wisdom from us. It's not yeah. that God is not continually pouring in the knowledge about life after death, the love and the wisdom that he's trying to give to us, but there are these blockages on our end. And it was, for her, it wasn't like they were saying, okay, well, here's some things that are actually good about your husband. Here's how you express and feel love. You know, it all, We're just going to remove the false stuff. That's all they and then did. It's there, just That's like that. That's all they did. And this is a principle that applies universally and can even apply to something like the divine's outreach to us. Yeah, that it can right. seem like... I'm just like trying to get God to listen to me or do anything here. But actually, the potential there, there's just this force pushing in. And as soon as these blockages are removed, we're going to feel it. And this is a really, you know, like a touching, sort of moving, meaningful example. And so I was thinking, how can we make it trite and silly? Yes, right. And this is what we came up with. Oh. This. What is this thing? Is the 
divine, this is a will that's held back. So you could think of it I as see. God's will, desire I mean, look, to come look, and help looks you. Looks like nothing, basically. Right? Yeah, you're just like, okay, there's nothing going, okay, so let's say I'm praying, I'm trying to live a good life, I'm, I'm watching videos, I'm trying to connect, I'm trying to get this, but there's, it seems like there's nothing here, nothing there's happened. no outreach, but really, the will of God to help is is pushing up against, and if we it's just... like a potential energy right in there that you're not aware of and if we just are pressure. doing our regeneration and just start to twist and twist <laughs> too bad they wow. weren't synchronized but that was really good yeah. that is that there there's that much energy that's the will that that's what these these things wanted to to let all those sparkles out i mean this thing was yes, sitting you, there you wouldn't you couldn't yeah. feel it from the outside that yeah. that potential energy was there you didn't know but th this thing there. was sitting in there just like come on let me out come on let me out let me out that's what come. it was just like that woman i want to put these things all over the place that woman's yeah. love was like no i want to i want to i love this person i want to be close to him i want to show affection i want to participate in this marriage with him it was just sitting there one and she didn't even know she and there's an awareness thing. thing that's right yeah. she did not know like i mean she may have honestly like you were saying the headline in her head might have said well you know the old ball and chain. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he's okay, but yeah. you know, or something, yeah. and not realizing, wow, I have tremendous affection. I, I've experienced things like this sometimes, where not in a marriage context, but where someone gets sick or they have some heart trouble or something yeah. like that, and you suddenly realize, wait, I love that person. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize until right. that moment that it's suddenly your consciousness changes. So let's see how Swedenborg continues to talk about this here. Back in spiritual experiences, this is called a potential energy or driving force. There it is, potential energy. He said it. Which he's a smart guy, I guess. Which encompasses this kind of spring in our hearts, and does, it does not know what it might be able to do until the fetters are removed. Yeah, see, it's a it's a knowledge, it's an awareness problem. Whatever we will to do is present in this driving force, and when obstacles are removed, it springs into action. Wow. Just like we were talking before, you know, about that, um, the whole science versus spirituality thing, that there is a, um, an inflow into all of us that we believe in life after death. But when right. those, obstac those obstacles come in, when those are removed, you go back to your, just, your instinctual human, this is happening. I know this is I, happening. I, I bought a stand for monitors the other yeah. day, and it came just with, with a band around it. And the uh, and it said on it had all these warnings on it that said, this has this has energy in it. Yeah. So be sure and clamp it shut with your hand before you cut that thing. Right. Because I think a lot of people sort of get hit in the head right or because you have no idea when you pick yeah. it up that that energy is you know it's a very strong energy in there. The thing that is in the human will is whatever the person loves because our will is actually composed of what we love. Sometimes a person's love is held back, mm. which happens for various reasons, various reasons, because of various obstacles or due to outward or shallow cares and concerns. When this is the case, our love cannot express itself in action. Oh. In the highest sense, this dynamic is similar to the Lord's love of saving the human race and giving us wisdom and happiness. I didn't see that balance coming there. Yeah. Any obstacles in our, are in ourselves or the things we love. Okay, so in the Lord, it's not like, you know, sort of... Uh, pent up or potential energy. Yeah, it's just in that case we are the thing that is holding it. 
Yes, shut. But the Lord knows very well what that what that energy is. Which what, is not to, to guilt Thank trip. You. Yeah, no problem. Which is not to guilt trip you and say, oh, this is so bad. It's just this is a part of the human condition. This is part of that we're born with this spiritual heredity that's built up over generations, just like you have genetic predispositions. Well, I, it's like take the plank out of your own eye before you <laughs> something and something 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 biblical. Yeah, Mark versus something, um, but. There's, that's just the context that we're in. It doesn't mean, that you, like, oh, it's my fault that God can't come. But because of the complexity of the whole human race picture, it's God is sitting there wanting to do everything good for us. It's not that we're saying, God, wouldn't you just look at my situation and give me a little help? God is sitting there like, uh, as soon as this stuff is out of the way, you're not going to believe how fast I'm going to come help you And it's sort of fun. That, yeah. I mean, it's like the reunion show, isn't it, where... Where just there was this all this joy waiting for people on the yeah, other side. That's right. Just just ready to, to pop, but uh, yeah, but you don't know. That's right. That's that's awaiting you. You don't know what that's going to be like. Speaking of all this joy that's just waiting to happen, it's time for the Q and A section. So we want to hear about how have these thoughts been uh, occurring, how have these thoughts been striking all of you, and what questions you have, what comments do you have to share? Type them in live in the chat, and we'll try to answer them now. All right, this, the game is pretty simple. You guys type in questions and we take a look at them now live and see what happens. And the chances of us actually getting a good answer to one are low, but not, not non-existent. So let's see if we can't get lucky here. We're, we're, we're bound to ramble at least. Oh, at least you'll get you're some You're guaranteed rambling. of that. So here's yeah. the first one. Jen Blossom asks, Swedenborg writes that it takes three days to get acclimated to heaven. Am I understanding that, correct, that correctly? And if so, our near-death experience is just a gift of the coming attractions? Mm. Yeah, so. yeah I, I studied this at some oh. point. This is, this is good fun. I never studied anything, so let me know. Uh, the, um, yeah, I, I studied what happened, like trying to square exactly what she's saying there. Like, how do you match what Swedenborg says to right. the near-death experience? And what Swedenborg says is that actually the way I would express it, that he doesn't use these exact terms, but that you're in sort of a super conscious state right after you die. You get, you're lifted up, you're with the highest angels. Okay. And, and then you, if you're not comfortable with them, you work your way down, work your way down, you seek your own level. And then after three days, Swedenborg says, you're back to sort of like a normal everyday life like you had, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so, and for some people who didn't believe in life after death and they don't have a folder to stick that experience in, they feel like they were asleep because they just don't, like, what was that? What yeah. was that uh, angel thing and your dad? And, yeah. you know, can we show you heaven? And, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, what, what was that? And so uh, to some people after that, if they don't have that belief, it seems like they were asleep or something. But, but they weren't. They were in this transcendent state. So I think it is that glimpse. What near-death experience people is, uh, have, I think, is that first part of that arc, you know, where, yeah. where you go up. Right. And it's not that you can't get back there again, but it's like everybody starts at the top of the pinball and works their way down. You know? Sure, and trying to line up exactly where, where do Swedenborg's descriptions fit in with near-death experiences? We've had we've had talk, tried to talk about that on previous shows because yeah. there is there is some some there's so much similarity and so much uh, fulfillment of of the the world of one and the other. But you do got to figure okay where exactly are these things crossing? And as far as like attractions of things to come, I certainly think people were having near-death experiences. It's a, it's a near-death experience. So it's got to be different than if, if you're 
building a spaceship that goes up and then lands again, that's a different spaceship one than one that goes up, sheds the boosters, and is gone. Keeps you know? gone. Yeah, and, that's and right. So True. I th would think Good the experiences point. have to have similar, similarly different mechanisms. And the way Swedenborg describes it, there's a tremendous amount of care, like the fact that you appear to live in the same house you were in, you wear the same clothes, your life yeah. is very similar. You know, the types of things that you're doing on a daily basis are... Or, there's great care that's exercised to have it not be like a shocking, ah, uh, yeah. you know, sort of have a psychotic breakdown because right. it's so, so different or something. There's a lot of care to make that a nice transition. Very cool. All right, so there's our first try. Let's uh, let don't let us know how we did in the chat. We'll just say <laughs> we did well. Let's look at look at the next one. Mike S asks, I know Emmanuel Swedenborg knew when he would die, but are there any reports of his last moments? Things he may have said to others before passing. Just wondering. Ah, too bad, because this is another one you're going to know more about. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, just do I'm it. Sorry, just Curtis. tell the people. I, just, I'm sorry. I, I know that there there was accounts of it. What were those yes. accounts? Yes, he asked someone what time it was because he had been told not only the day but also the hour. Although it seems to go against what the Bible says, but but uh, he he knew when that was going to happen and even told people that uh, someone said, "Oh, can I see you in April?" And he said, "Well, no, I'm dying on March 29th." You know. Uh, can't can't do that. Um, and he asked someone, he, uh, what time is it? And someone said it's five o'clock. And he just simply said, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Because I think he he knew that it, like the, it was his his earthly life was coming to an end, and he was happy about it. So his last yeah. his last word was the word good, and yeah. that was a very important word to him in, yeah. in what he wrote. That's good. Wow, that's I didn't even know that last part. So where, how did, who, how do you know that he didn't obviously didn't write that in a journal? No, quick, quick dash yeah. one more sentence. <laughs> uh, he was staying with someone named Richard Shearsmith, and uh, Shearsmith and his wife, I believe, and they had a, a, a servant woman who was helping out, and there was okay. a doctor who was attending him, and I forget who recorded this, but, yeah. but it was recorded one of those. Uh, by those people who were very, very taken with him. Yeah. Cool. Wrote, wrote down what he said. Hey, man, I love that. That's, that's awesome. That's okay, cool. next question. Thanks very much for that one. Robbie Tulos asks, can you have ego in the spirit or only in the physical? I can, <laughs> I can have ego anywhere. Man. That's right. Uh, man, you show me a good. place You're, that I can have ego. It's one of your ego. special gifts. I'm actually the best at having ego. Yeah. Um, yes, no, so ego is a spiritual condition, right? The Everything that's, that's about that your feelings and your thing, thoughts. Actually. Yeah, that's and right. You don't just shed it because you shed the body. And actually, ego, as we commonly use that term now, meaning like self-centered, um, uh, hierarchy-based. I'm more deserving than others or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or like, how, you like don't show me up or like I, I'm, I deserve how more than you. you. Don't you know who I am. Don't yeah. mess with me. Yeah, that's hell. Like that mindset is that the core of hell is what he calls, he calls it love of self, which that's he right. means you love your own reputation you love and you're the center of your own world yeah. kind of thing the, the, the so that's there it's a, a you know there's tons of people and, that and have that bought into that doesn't mean that people who have that ego are necessarily bound for hell because lots of people have I, that for various reasons but yeah. they have remedies for that if you're willing but if you're yeah. if your whole life is wrapped up in that then you say no don't take that away from yeah. me that's my life you know Whereas to other people, it might just be something that they adopted for the sake of the work, the type of work that they did, where you needed to sort of be intense or something like yeah. that. Okay, let me talk for a second here. Get it? 
Um, so <laughs> I don't actually have anything to say. I just want to demonstrate. Uh, that was so good. Yeah, right? Really I just I'm the host. I got to take charge here. Um, but, but I do want to say that you were saying, you know, so a lot of people have that, but, and, and everybody has it. That, that we're True. born, that you're, the heredity I was talking about before, why there's these blocks to God, is that we're all born into love of self and love of the world. That's yeah. the inverted spiritual condition, that that stuff, if, if you have it, don't worry about it, be, or you don't, don't feel bad because everybody has it. But the whole process of spiritual growth is us loosening our iron grip on that stuff and not even getting rid of it, but ha instead of it having, be, having it be the thing in charge, it's the thing that's the least important. It's still there, right. but, but love, uh, but compassion, humility, um, so, uh, you know, pro-social tendencies. Desire to serve, yeah, that's right, right. Those are the head. The, the ego stuff is there, but it's the feet. Like you can, you're in it, but it's not, you wouldn't put your own ego above somebody else's life. Right. And it's valuable in that position because it can tell you, oh, you're being trampled on here or, you know, whatever. Like it can give you useful ad advice yeah. and stuff like that. But where, where it becomes a problem is when push comes to shove where, well, this is going to hurt somebody else, but be good for me. I'll take it. You know, yeah. that, that's the bad position. Yeah. To, to and it's not that all hard edged things are necessarily this love of self, that you can no. be very adamant about a cause that's important. You can oh, be protecting yeah, someone. You can be protecting a, a true con. Like Swedenborg is all out here saying, hey, this afterlife thing is true and you got to believe in it. He's not like, it's all right, whatever you think. He's very harsh in a lot yeah, of stuff very, he does. Yeah, but strong. it's all about what's the purpose. Is it, is it because you, you feel like certain people are part of your tribe and you see yourself reflected them and so you want to raise those people up, whether it's because they believe the same thing about you or they're the same country or whatever, um, or is it because you're trying to do good to everyone and you know this is right. helpful to everyone. So yeah, it's not always right. even something that we can and tell on really ourselves. you really want it to work. It just needs yeah. to work for other yeah. people's sake. Yeah. So I'd say you never even know your own spiritual state fully, but you do your best at saying that looks like ego, so no. can I get free of it? Something like that. Cool, great question. Good answer, Curtis. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks, man. So that was, that's like um, sort of the uh, calculating ego. Like if I flatter him, he'll leave me alone. <laughs> um, Okay, let's do one more. Let's just do yeah, another quick one. Let's do Jacob Israel asks, does Swedenborg teach that Christ in us is how Christ returns or Christ returns in a physical form outside his own body? Us? Curious to hear. So what you're, hey man, you're the guy for this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that uh, what is going to return is actually a consciousness or an awareness. It's sort of like the spring thing. Yeah. In a way, uh, the Lord is already in position. It's just we don't realize it. And so in a lot of the scriptures about the second coming, they talk about the fact that every eye will see him or you'll see him mm. coming in the clouds of heaven. He's already there, but, but there comes a point where we're going to be able to, to see that and become more aware. And so I think the form, it's not a physical return to this planet. Uh, Swedenborg sounds sort of, this is just my own analogy here, it doesn't sure. say this, but, but you can't turn a pickle back into a cucumber, you know, he's already been through a process of being here in the flesh, and yeah. he's not coming back in the flesh okay. in that sense. His return is in the form of that love and wisdom and aware, greater awareness yeah. with those sort of blocks that we've been talking about removed, right. uh, and that's going to happen more and more over time. 
uh, where people realize, oh, that love and that wisdom and the presence of the Lord. He, he's been there. He's, he's yeah. been in position for a couple thousand years. But we'll become more aware of how close at hand he is. Yeah. And that is the form that that quote-unquote return yeah. will take in effect. It's like the sun rising again. Hey, the sun didn't go anywhere. It's, it's been burning all night, you know. But we turned, and yeah. so it looked like the sun rose. Right, right, right. So in summary, Jesus is a pickle, not a cucumber. Right? <laughs> Did I say that? You, you, said, you said you can't turn back into... Right, I, watch I guess, the tape. I guess maybe I said that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So that, I love it. I love it. I appreciate getting to hear that stuff from you. <laughs> everybody, I appreciate your questions. We man, just love hearing from everybody, so we're going to like get more serious about that in this next section. Oh, good. We have an, uh, you know, a guest interview coming right up. Oh. So every guest is special. This one is as special in a particular way because she's my grandmother. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I didn't she, know you had a grandmother. She yes, I do. And she actually has appeared on a couple programs because she's done extensive work with widows and widowers. Oh. Okay. And specifically work around uh, widows and widowers who are um, cultivating a belief in the life after death. You know, and, and how does that work? And particularly from a Swedenborgian perspective, we mm. got to um, we got to to sit down with her and hear because her husband, my grandfather, he died um, actually before I was born. So so it's been a long mm. time that she's been without him. And we had her tell a little story or her story about what what um, does how does she deploy this concept uh, that that married partners can still dwell together in spirit even if, you know, the body of one mm, is Like is, we were talking gone. about in the reunion show. That's yeah, right. Okay, right, so this right. is what she had to say. I was born in the Swedenborgian family, so I've always believed in the afterlife, and I've also always believed that a true loving marriage could continue after death. There's a teaching in Swedenborg's writings that goes like this. Those in true marriage love are not separated by the death of one because the spirit of the deceased dwells continually with the one not yet deceased until the latter dies and they are reunited and they love each other more tenderly than before because they are in the spiritual world. A beautiful teaching, a comforting teaching. However, a few months after Leonard's passing, one of the ministers asked me this question. Donette, do you feel Leonard's spirit with you? It was a fair question for a lifetime, Swedenborgian, but it shook me. I don't even remember how I answered him. I probably said, oh yeah, sure, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't remember. I remember I was stuttering. <laughs> But I certainly remember the impact this question had on me. So I went home and began to think about this. What does it really mean? How, how can I feel that? How can I access this promise? Uh, first of all, I quickly realized that thinking about him all the time wasn't dwelling with him. Because in my grief, all my thoughts of him were about his absence, not about his presence. 
So over the following weeks and, and even years, even now, I've thought and prayed about this a lot. And I've gradually discovered many ways that His presence or Spirit certainly is with me. To begin with, I realized that, of course, there is a dwelling together of spirits of any happy couple while they're both on earth. Because even when they're not in the, physically in the same place, what they do or do not do is based on their commitment to and their love for each other because their spirits are in sync. When we're talking about the spirit of a person, we're talking about their character, their essence, their personalities and their goals and their loves. Today, when I look at a photo of my husband, I have one here, I see things that no one else looking at the photo can see. I'm not focusing only on the physical image. I'm remembering this was, this was taken more than 40 years ago. Yet I remember what he's whispering in my ear. I remember what went before the photo. I remember the circumstances of the photo, what went on after the photo. Memories are incredibly, incredible gifts. Genghis Stone, author of the book called Let's Start the Conversation, said this, You have a treasure chest full of memories of the many hours you spent together. That's a, that's a marvelous thing to be able to go back in your past and recapture times together. And that certainly feels like our spirits being together since we can replay those times in our lives. The spirit of my spouse is part of who I am. It's part of who I've become because of loving him, of being loved by him, of living with him. If I hadn't married him, I'd be a totally different person. So in this way, he dwells with me continually, just as the quote says. I do believe that those in the world of the spirit or in the other life are probably more aware of us from their vantage point than we are of them. Uh, I just want to read you something from Divine Love and Wisdom. Angels who are with us are aware in detail of the actions of our minds within our deeds. In other words, they're not conscious of whether we're going to the store or going to church. They're conscious of what's going on in our spirit. And they're in our, they rejoice with us in our joys and they support us in our lows. On a recent show, Curtis talked about thought bringing presence. In the spiritual world, this is in both body and spirit. In this world, it is in thought or spirit only. We all know that if we are sitting beside a stranger and thinking about those we love, we are much closer to them than the stranger. The spirit is more real than the body that houses it. We in this natural world are burdened with superficial challenges and bad habits, some of which we will leave behind easily when we leave this world. Because of this, in many cases, we can recognize things that were not of our partner's true spirit and strip them away that we can see and appreciate more clearly who they truly are. 
bringing our spirits even closer together. About nine months after his passing, I was blessed with a visit from Leonard in the form of a vivid dream. This added to my certainty of our being together still. I've talked to many others who have felt or seen their partners. For those blessed with such an experience, it confirms the belief that we are still united. And hopefully, for others, hearing about them can help them in their hope that this is so. So, if a minister or anyone else asked me that same question today, Donette, do you feel Leonard's spirit with you? I would answer without hesitation. Yes, I do. So, she's, you know, gone on, it wasn't just automatic, but gone on a journey of identifying, like, what exactly does that mean to me? And yeah. How, and how do I feel it? Really thinking and praying on yeah. all that. And it also just makes me think in the context of the reunion show last week, and the spring passage that we just had tonight of your heart being, yeah. you know, I, I don't think she's unaware <laughs> of yeah. how she feels about her <laughs> husband. You know, right. I don't know what age the other person was yeah. in that other story, but but uh, I think about a joyful reunion. You know, right. I, I think that's going to be she's, really, really She's got fun. Her, her spring yeah, back. Yeah, that potential energy is just building up at a level. Yeah. And, and I do imagine that that level is still at a point that you don't necessarily know the whole story of how much is there because Swedenborg yeah. says it's sort of astonishing when you get in the spiritual world how things can kind of explode. Yeah. I, when, when we say like who are you looking forward to meeting in the afterlife, I actually when I think about it, I'm most excited for her to see my grandfather. Her to see, yeah, because right. because I just right. I, I've never known her with him, and I just know her whole you know she's so into like taking that and using it to help people, but I uh, can't wait till she like gets to re yeah, remake yeah, that yeah. connection. And that would be good. So, so if you're interested in the work that she's been doing around that, there's, she's not actively running this website anymore, but she created this domain, widowwidowers.com. Uh, you can still visit it. Uh, and actually, this hyperlink here, you have to have that slash about in there to get into the page. As we said, it's not an active site anymore, but there's all kinds of, of stuff that she's accumulated uh, on the kind of subject she was talking about, and you, you may find that helpful for you. Thanks to Donette, thanks to all of you. And now we're going to get to hear more from you in our Ice Melter section. As I could have predicted, there was a good response to this one. Oh. So let's see, who are people thinking of? Yeah, what what right. kind of reunions are people looking for? So this is the first one. The Apostle Paul. He seemed really academic to me. That's what, cool. What's his mind like? Yeah, yeah. The grandfather and grandmother who passed away before I was born. Mm. I would like to meet Swedenborg. Yep. <laughs> Just get it out there. My son who died shortly after birth. Wow. This list is so long, but I'd put Jesus at the top of my list. I got some questions. Hey, I'm with you. That's, that's right. Good one. That's right. Jesus. Yeah. My brother Eric and my best friend, who happens to be my brother-in-law, Rudy. Both died way too young. Oh, boy. All my relatives that have moved on, and of course, Swedenborg. My great-grandparents, my parents in the afterlife, Swedenborg, and my grandparents, especially my maternal grandmother, who passed away when I was a month old. Whoa. All the people in my life, and people from other planets. Hey, that's a good one. Who's out that there? That would be fun, you know? yeah. My ancestors, but doubt they'd be in heaven. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> and C.S. Lewis, I never got to meet him. The love of my life, 
my parents, the aunt and uncle who raised me, some spirits who have helped me, including Jesus. Nice. My husband, Larry, and when he died, that is when I found off the left eye trying to find comfort. That is who I want to meet. Mm. Wow. I want to meet everyone in heaven, especially Jesus. I want to see our Lord Jesus. I'd love to see him. If I could, the Lord first, then my mom. He's like, hey, mom, sorry, you were number two, but number one was (laughs) pretty cool. I can't wait to see my beautiful daughter who passed in 2012. We had a strong bond. I miss her immensely. Her being my only child, I feel that I will be whole once again. Mm. I want to meet my twin brothers who died at three months of age in 1930. Wow. Mm. My son, Danny, the creator. I never meet my father, my mom, husband, so many. Yeah. Someone I loved, someone after he died, he came to me to visit me in a dream. My beautiful daughter, my grandmother, my dad. Nice. My son, Brent, my mother, Jesus, and two other precious babies. Mm-hmm. My father, mother, maternal and paternal grandfathers. For my mother and maternal grandfather, I'd hope their afterlife went on from before they got dementia. Yeah. Right? yeah, right, yeah. That's right. And this is my dad, my daughter, Annika. That is such an exciting thought. My brother and sister, my dad my father-in-law and brother-in-law. It's going to be so great. That's right. And Carl says, I'm going to hug my dad for a year when I see him next. Hard to type through these tears of indescribable love and joy at the thought. Awesome. Mm. My boyfriend that died of cancer and our baby that I hope has a soul, although he was delivered very early. And my boxer dog. That would mean all worlds to me. Mm. My grandmother who passed a year before I was born and my grandfather who raised me. Mm. And when you look at these, these people wanting to reunite, we're talking about love. Like this is the nature of love and, and of, of the reconnection of love. This is the core of life. This is the coolest thing that is, is the kind of joy that they're talking about. And that Swedenborg is saying, hey, we've got to know that that joy is out there because it gives you this, this uh, compass and does all kinds of other things. But how, right. how are you going to take stock of life without accounting for the greatest thing that exists in it? You know? And, and that, that being separate did not kill the love. That's right. Is just building up like a spring in there, you know, mm. like That's you right. have no idea how, how, how strong that is. Yeah, that was very moving, just all the talk about the grandparents and so on and thinking about how much love do they feel. Right. For the, like, do they miss us? And, you know, like, it's yeah. going to be great. So that's a great place to, to close. I, I think thinking about the, the people and w- the meaning of uh, not just that we're going to see them, but that we're, we're already in touch with them, you know, whether we know it or not. And we're just that's right. pulling those strings farther and farther Who knows back. how they're helping us? Yeah, we'll find out. All right. So that's our show. Thank you so much, everybody. Now, like and subscribe if you didn't before. Maybe you said, I'm not going to do what he says. But now you're like, okay, I'll just do it. <laughs> Stop right, asking okay. me. That helps us get out into YouTube. It helps. Some people are saying they found this show to help them with you know, the kind of grief and despair that they're going through. And uh, maybe the next person finds because of the, the metrics you guys help us get here. If you want to make this kind of programming possible, please join us on Patreon. We are a nonprofit, so we don't sell you things and we don't have ads. We just work off of free will donations. That's so right. if you want to, for a small amount a month, get to be a patron of the program, you can sign up there and we give you little thank yous in, terms, um, in the form of you know, behind the scenes kind of content, right. extended interviews, extra stuff. So co- we love putting the show out for everybody. Yeah. The donors are just, we love the fact that people feel moved to support what we're doing. Yeah, so and so thank, thank all of you who are doing it for helping make this possible. We're going to be back next week like we always are. And next week we're going to be talking about the spiritual meaning of names.
Mm. So been great talking to you today. Great talking to you, Curtis. And uh, great, great talking to all of you. And we'll hopefully see you same time next Monday. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. Thank you.